This is the Unsuitable Podcast. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to explore what it looks like to form deep relationships as people who aren't married. This week, you're going to hear from Devon Wade. Devon cares a lot about Christians actually doing what Jesus commanded and believes that siblings in Christ should act as such, regardless of relationship status. He works in refugee resettlement and is a big fan of all things Waffle House related. In this episode, you'll hear Devon talk about his journey back to the church, how he found community in a new city, how to build friendship across differences, and the unexpected benefit of being an outsider. Before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit about this week's episode partner. So as singles, sometimes it's easy to feel like the redheaded stepchildren of the church, which is exactly why I've partnered with Rise of the Gingers. Rise of the Gingers is a t-shirt and accessory company made just for the 2%, the wrongfully alleged as soulless and often freckle-engulfed ginger folks out there. If you're a ginger or know a ginger, head to www.riseofthegingers.com. Don't forget, this can also make the perfect gift. Use code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your order. Rise of the Gingers is created by gingers for gingers. You will not find better redhead swag anywhere else. Again, use the code UNSUITABLE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Alrighty, now let's hear from Devon. Hey, Devon. Hey, Mary B. How's it going? It is going absolutely fantastic. So happy to be here. How about yourself? Oh, I'm happy to be here too. I'm always happy to to chat with new people, make new friends, and hear a little more about their lives. So I'm really yeah. grateful that you've made the time to be here. Absolutely. And shout out to Joy. I appreciate you putting me on. So Yes, Joy Vetterline, just the best. She just is. what a great pal. She and I chat all the time. And for anyone who's listening, you should check her out on Instagram. She writes for Christian Misfits and is just such a such a kind soul. I'm such a she fan. Is. Devon, I would love for you to start off by just telling us, telling the people a little bit about yourself. You know, where are you in the world? Yeah. Just anything. Let the spirit, you know, move you there. And what do you want to tell us about yourself? (laughs) I love a good Holy Spirit freestyle. So I am, I am currently, I'm talking to you, sunny Northern California, and I've been here um, a little over five years. And the, the really cool thing about that is me coming to Northern California and me coming to, you know, the church that I started going to once I got here, you know, wasn't me just, you know, coming to a new church, but it was me coming back to church after being being away for probably the first seven or eight years of my adulthood. So just this this space here and the life that I have been able to create and just the amazing people that have been placed in my life and just my my church experience, it has been, yeah, it has been quite the ride, quite the journey, which we'll we'll get into more of that and how it relates to to singleness in the church. Mm-hmm. But but I got here from the great state of Georgia. I am a Southern boy, mm-hmm. uh, very proud. And in terms of what I do, I work in refugee resettlement, which is, yeah, it is one of my greatest passions. The the refugee community here in Sacramento, in the Sacramento region, I am 
In terms of ministry, I'm involved in leading discipleship groups for college students. I would love to hear a little bit more. You said you mentioned coming back to church once you moved to California. Could you tell me a little bit about that experience? What kind of maybe what drew you back to church and a little bit of background on that? For sure. For sure. So when I left high school, I went to the state of Missouri for both undergrad and graduate school. And the summer that I was leaving for college was when I actually finally decided to get baptized. Okay. I had definitely been putting it off. I remember seeing, um, I have an older brother who's three years older than me. I mean, I remember seeing him get baptized when I was a child. It was, I didn't want anything to do with that. It looked terrifying. Like yeah. it looked, they were drowning him. Like, it, oh. I didn't want anything to do with that. You were like fully <laughs> dunking. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want anything to do with that. So I, I. Yeah, I kind of put it off, but the summer going into my my senior year, going into college, mm-hmm. I knew that I was leaving. Um, I knew that I was entering a new chapter. I wanted to do it. I was. I felt ready. I felt great about it. I got to do it with my uh, one of my sisters. Also got baptized. My aunt got baptized. So it was a cool family thing. And so I do that right the summer going into college. But then I get to college, and very quickly it's like, no, I want the college experience. Mm. Like I'm several states away from home. I'm in this, I'm in a dorm, like there's no adults in here, right? We're walking distance from the largest, you know, female dormitory on campus. And like, I don't have a curfew. Like I just, I like, oh my gosh, I want all of this. Yeah. And although I made that public declaration of my faith, like I got to school and was like, I, no, I think I want to live of the world. This seems a lot mm. more, this seems a lot more fun. Mm. And so that, that pretty much stayed, you know, from, yeah, from undergraduate, graduate school, I probably attended a handful of church services in that entire time, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, I wanted the pleasures of, of, of campus and, and, and of that lifestyle. It was, yeah, it was intoxicating. So that was just how, you know, how I was living. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, me coming out to California, I had one family member and uncle who lived out here and he wasn't in church, but he knew that to at least appease my mom so that my mom wouldn't kill him. <laughs> he wanted to make sure that he at least presented me with with options to go to church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even moving out here and, and believing in my heart that it was a a God thing that I that I come out here, I still, yeah, I still wasn't ready initially to make that commitment to attending a church. And I knew that, yeah, I was struggling to like get on my feet. I was struggling with loneliness and not knowing where to go to make friends. A lot of these things that are you know, presented within a church body, but I didn't want to go to church initially. Mm, yeah. So once I finally did, which was Easter of 2016. Yeah. Once I finally did, I knew that I wanted to make a commitment that I hadn't prior. Mm. I feel like for the first time I was all in. This church had like Saturday services and Sunday services and they had a 7 p.m. service. Okay. Yeah. So me still feeling so unsure and anxious like the 7 p.m. was the last service that I could go to. So yeah. I waited until the last service that was available and yeah, pulled up and and feeling very, still very unsure, but then getting in service and yeah, just everything clicking. So even, you know, going, yeah, being in a new state, going to a new church, a large church and being by myself, it was like by the time I got into the worship center, like everything made sense in a way that I just couldn't describe. And so leaving leaving that church service felt the felt the holy spirit prompt me to you know to walk to the courtyard area of the church um which was in the opposite direction of where i parked didn't know what i was looking for but walked into the to the courtyard 
area and end up walking past this this booth that was a ministry for for young adults. Mm-hmm. And so my first friend in my church that I ever made, she was working the booth and she was the perfect person that could have been there. For me, so, so welcoming, so caring. I had no idea like church small groups was a thing. I just don't remember that from my, yeah, from my particular church tradition in the South. But yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Like I have there, like there's this thing called small groups and I can, yeah, meet other people in the same kind of life stage. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. And I knew that I wanted to to live differently. So it just made, yeah, like everything that I needed, like was placed there, mm-hmm. you know, at the church and, and meeting the right person to get me plugged in. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it clicked in that moment. Like I, yeah, I really want to do this for real mm-hmm. and not have one foot in and one foot out. Was that really how you started to form community in this new place where you were? Yeah, it was. So I, I come from a very long line of, I call them prayer warrior women. Mm. Uh, so my mom, my granny, my great grandmother, like my great aunts, my aunts, you know, the first thing I ever understood about church and, and God was the importance and the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that my mom would always pray, like with me being her youngest son all the way across the country was that God would surround me with people who mm. would care about me, have my back. Mm. And so, yeah, so I you know, found myself in this this ministry with a bunch of people, not only in my life stage, but a lot of people who had just recently moved to the area as well. And we could relate on that level. And so it was a lot of people that I think were very hungry for community in that same way, all being able to, yeah, to come together. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little more about like, you know, as we're talking about community and you Mm -hmm. kind of mentioned like the early stages of forming that community, like what it's like, what's been like for you to really like cultivate relationships of depth, specifically as someone who's single? I've always had a love and curiosity of people in general. Yeah. And so even it's, it's so funny to like, to be able to look and see how you know, God has gifted you in certain areas mm-hmm. and looking at the different stages of your life and not fully understanding. Yeah. Until, until the spirit reveals a little bit, you know, more to you, but just like looking back, like I've always had a, just a curiosity, mm-hmm. love for people. So I spoke about, I spoke about working in, in refugee resettlement and the organization that actually I work for, I grew up near the Atlanta field office. So, you know, I saw my entire community transform in my childhood with with refugees and immigrants, you know, coming from various countries in in Eastern Africa. And if you know anything about refugee resettlement, like the areas where refugees are typically resettled are low income areas because, you know, the families are are having to to flee. So they're, you know, they're not coming with a lot. Right. So we have to be placed in areas that can be that they can afford, which will be the low income areas, areas like where I grew up. And so, yeah, I saw my community transformed, but it was just so easy to click and make friends, you know, and have my childhood friends be, you know, refugees and immigrants from, from, yeah, South Sudan and Somalia and Eritrea and Ethiopia, Mm. because I just had it like, I just say, like, I want to know about you. Hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I always had just that, that curiosity, especially when it came from people from, from different groups. Like I just, I wanted to know, I wanted to know about you. And even before Like right before I moved to California, I left North America for the first time. And that was the first time I went to Jordan to teach, to teach, teach sixth grade at a, at a summer, summer school immersion program. And so even with that being my first time across the world 
in an area of the world that I wasn't familiar with before I got there with a, with a language that I don't speak, was able to still connect with these students who I'm all still very, I'm still very close to my original sixth grade class. But just, just, I feel like everywhere I've been able to go, like because of that curiosity and love for people, I have been able to form those deep relationships, but it went to another level once I started doing that in partnership with God. Mm. Like that is like, I feel like that's when I hit, hit that sweet spot because I didn't, I never knew why I was, you know, given that, that gift by God, you know, it wasn't something that I earned or deserved. But once I came, like once I really started my faith journey, like, yeah, I'm seeing that when I'm doing this in partnership with God, like it just, yeah, now it's being unleashed as a weapon for the kingdom. So, you know, so getting out here and and in the the young adult ministry that I was a part of, um, a huge part of my role was, you know, going in and, you know, that person who's standing off in the corner, not talking to anyone or that person who walks in and they're just looking completely unsure. Like I was the, my role was to go after them and pursue them Mm. at all of these different events. So, because I know what that's like, like, I remember being that person walking in like, oh my gosh, why did I come? Why didn't I just stay in my living room where everything is comfortable and safe and like putting myself out there? I know what that's like. So I was the person going after those people as well and wanting people to feel like they, like somebody saw them, um, somebody noticed them, someone like sincerely wants to get to know them because I am, I'm curious. Like I want to, like, I want to get to know you. I know what it's like to be new. I know what it's like to desire to want to belong somewhere. And so like, I want to be a person who, who extends that. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it, it has been such a great joy to be able to connect with people, connect with people in that way, because I have, like, I really had to build a family out here, Mm -hmm. cultivate a family out here. I try to like in the spaces that I'm in, give all of myself. Mm. So I want to invest. It's yeah. If, yeah, it's not even just like merely like building friendships, but it's just investing in, in people. Yeah. Investing in people who are made in the image of God, you know, and, and, you know, even seeing, seeing in, seeing in our scripture that, you know, Jesus came and completely redefined what family was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like that's just a charge, you know, for me as a Christian, but for all of us as a Christian is like continuing to expand the family of God. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, meeting, meeting people is just, is an opportunity to continue to expand that family of God and, and intentionally putting myself in, in spaces to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. And I feel comfortable, like navigating the uncomfortable. Mm. So in this, the, you know, the church that I started at once I, once I arrived here is not only like a large church, but a very large, predominantly white evangelical church, mm-hmm. which was my first kind of in all of those categories. I never even heard the word evangelical before 2016 when I moved here. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm someone who is very hyper visible because of how I look, you know, in a very, you know, in the church is situated in a very well-to-do area, which is just not my background as well. So I believed even not having all of the, the pieces together, I believe that this is a place where God wanted me. And so, yeah, just, just purposely put myself in, in areas that, that are uncomfortable, but, but would ultimately just bear the fruit of, of relationship, you know, because I was willing to, to invest, invest in those ways. Yeah. I was going to ask more about like building relationship across difference, whether that would be, you know, racial, ethnic or, um, intergenerational even yeah. relationships with people who are older, younger, whatever. Um, yeah. And like how great a tool curiosity is for all of that. And I'd be interested to hear like 
your experience in navigating that and really bringing your own natural gifting and curiosity to the table, like how you've been met in that by your community? I feel like a, a huge thing that that God has put on my heart since being out here is us being us as Christians, as the body of Christ, being in right relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest ways I've seen it manifest is uh, cross culturally, but also between gender and like relationship status. Yeah. So I feel like God has shown me like a lot of ways that it's fractured. Yeah. Those areas, and I I feel like God has called me and used me used me in those areas uniquely. So it's it's yeah, and and it's it's been great, but it's also it's made my life a lot. It's made my life a lot harder. Yeah. Because it turns out that yeah, people don't really want to talk about participating in the in the sin of racism, right? Yeah. People yeah. don't really want to talk about how we are called to be in, in right relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ. And yeah. that isn't supposed to change once you get married. People don't want to have that conversation because it's easier. And I've seen it like in these ministries and in these spaces, it's like getting your person or your spouse is like graduation and then you disappear off into young marriage land and yep you know forsaking everyone of the opposite gender who's not your your spouse yeah and joining your same sex small group and like just just this formula that not only leaves people out but it's like I have seen as a discipleship group leader for for college students I've seen young adults who are absolutely terrified of their brother or their sister in Christ yep. their understanding from their church background is yeah, I just need to avoid the the quote unquote temptress over there and yeah. just avoid every, you know, I'm a young man, I'm going to avoid every woman and then yeah. God is magically going to send my spouse down and then we're going to go off into the sunset together and not knowing how to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so speaking into those those areas, yeah, it's 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 made things a lot a lot harder for me, but it's something that I feel very convicted about um and it's an yeah. area that I have you know, heard from the Lord of wanting to be used. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm willing to, to be thrown under the bus, which I have been because of this area and mm-hmm. have my, you know, my intentions and my character and my theology questioned Yeah, because I have the audacity to say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that doesn't change when one of us gets married Yeah, and we don't get to abandon, you know, the rest of our siblings mm. because we're now married. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're saying all the things, <laughs> all the things like, oh, it's, it's really interesting. And since moving to New York, I think my experience mm-hmm. has been a little bit different, not like totally, but a little bit different just with how normalized being single is here. Like, okay. and especially being single, like until later, later in life, whatever that even means at this point in our, mm-hmm. in our culture. Yeah. But I'd say I think like half of my church is single, which actually, if you look at the statistics overall, probably half of the church overall is, is single, at least in America. And but there's some churches here that are like 80 percent single. So it's like very yeah. much more normalized in some ways here. And like okay. the friendships between men and women, I think in my experience, like I've really been able to cultivate friendships with guys here in a way that I didn't in a previous point in my life, because I definitely also had that experience in particular, like church cultures that men and women can't be friends. There's like, it's inherently going to lead to feelings or misunderstandings or what what have you, which really doesn't set anybody up super well for yeah being able to have just like open like to have a relationship with someone who is 
different from you. And, you know, it doesn't set you up well for if you are someone who's like really hoping to be married, like avoidance is a really great way to like have a really awkward, terrible dating experience because you just don't know how to relate to the other person. But then like you want to talk about church culture and idolatry of marriage, and that can get really uncomfortable as well because it's just presumed that marriage is the quote unquote natural state for Christians and some sort of like ultimate goal for Christians. But it's not, in my experience, it's not something that people would necessarily want to own up to, but it's actually very much in the water and in, you know, the way that I've experienced a lot of people even talking about singleness as like the whole point of this is to get unsingle. And then you can like join the full like life admission of the church, which is like not biblical for one. It's not like the model even of the early church where, you know, we see Jesus, we see Paul, we see, you know, any number of leaders who were single. And it's just a really interesting topic, I guess, or thing to wade into that pushes back on a lot. Like even just my very person, like being a, a single woman who's like open to marriage, but not like it's not my end all be all you know, mm-hmm. pursuit in life, just the tension of existing as that kind of person yeah. goes against a lot of these really deeply entrenched cultural narratives that we have in the church. And I think it can be very uncomfortable when these conversations come up of, are you seeing anyone, you know, like you just hear it in the ways that people approach those conversations where it's very much a problem solving. Like, even if I were to say, just to say like, hey, I'm feeling kind of lonely, you know, and I feel like maybe one day I'd like to be married and I feel kind of sad about that maybe not happening. You know, well, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? As opposed to approaching it with that curiosity that you're talking about of like, hey, maybe let's explore this from a perspective of like marriage is not the solution to loneliness. Absolutely. Like, so. it's, it's also important to to take into account. Yeah, there are many different expressions of of Christianity and church traditions. So it wasn't lost on me that God called me for this particular assignment because I come from, I came into this as an outsider. Mm -hmm. I grew up in purity culture. I didn't grow up in a church tradition where marriage was heavily emphasized because where I grew up, just like myself, I'm I'm the product of a single parent household. Mm -hmm. And I can probably count on one hand the amount of friends I had growing up who had two parents. So the Mm -hmm. reality where I'm from was people, yeah, we were all in the church. But overwhelmingly, people were 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 single parents. Hmm. And so I never had an experience where like my mom always served like there was never, you know, you can't you can't do this or be a part of this or be fully activated in the church because you're single, because yeah. it was just the reality of of the demographic that was that our you know, that was our congregation. Yeah. And so, yeah. So coming into this space where it's it's like, yeah, we just we got to get everyone married and like, you know. All of these, like just everything is set up for, yeah, for when you, for when you get married, like all of, all of these investment in ministry and, and these marriage conferences, just all of these things are set up for when people get married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I was brand new to that and had a, and had a different experience where I understand it doesn't have to actually be this way. Yeah. And a curiosity to like explore that, not just sit on, it doesn't have to be this way, but to explore that. So like a lot of times people don't have the imagination for something they just haven't experienced. Like this is all that That's they right. know. And so I come in and it's like, oh, you're saying this thing that my church didn't say, and that makes you a threat. 
And so mm-hmm. I've been like, I've been rejected a ton, but I've also been a part of people's journey where like that, that light bulb starts to go off and mm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the fruit of this particular, you know, tradition or I'm seeing the fruit of, you know, this purity culture where, where people don't even know how to be in relationship with one another Yeah, in the body of Christ. Like, how are we supposed to bring people in to something we're not even doing ourselves or living out authentically? Yeah. Um, so it just wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't lost on me that, you know, that things that, you know, I was sad about, girl, like, I, yeah, I wanted to, like, I wanted to have a father present. I wanted to see someone who was loving my mom, like all those things. Like, I definitely wanted to see those things, but just how God just takes those, those parts of us, transforms them and then, and then uses them for the kingdom. Like it's, you know, I had to come as an outsider and kind of be the one to shake things up because everyone had just been following the formula because that's all that they saw. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much there. I mean, this is why we need like community with, with across difference, you know, cause mm-hmm. we, it, I'm really into the idea of like retraining or expanding our imagination for, you know, what, what the Christian life looks like, what it can look like, what is possible. And yeah. you really, like you were saying, you really do need that outside perspective to come in and show you where like, oh, like, those things that can seem so normal and that you might a culture might take for granted, the outsider can come in and be like, hold up, this doesn't actually track or yeah. this doesn't actually make sense or this doesn't actually work for a pretty significant portion of, you know, the population or whatever it may be. And the fact of the matter is there's like such a the picture that we get of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God is so compelling. It's yeah. so compelling and it's not contingent on uniformity, right? Absolutely. It's it's like there's the idea is that there's this thing that ties us all together that supersedes all of those things. And yet we also can bring all of those things to the table to inform like how we live out our lives as Christians. And that's going to be different for someone who is single versus someone who is married, for someone who's a person of color versus someone who is white. And we need all of that to really like create this robust and compelling community that the church was designed to be in the first place. Exactly. We need all of the parts of the body in order to be the body of Christ. Yeah. Not just a bunch of left arms. Right. <laughs> Try to, you know, we need all of the parts of the body. Absolutely. And that includes us as single folks. We are absolutely vital parts of the body. Absolutely. As we are right now. Yep. As we are, not as we might one day be. I would love to say like for, you know, my fellow single folks in in the church. Yeah. You are completely whole as you are right now. And I have been so, yeah, I've been so blessed. Like, you know, scripture says it's not good. It's not good for us to be alone. And I have experienced just building such a beautiful friend community who have become family. And so I, yeah. Even when, I mean, oh my gosh, like I've had, you know, turning, turning, you know, the, the big three, yo, and, you know, having people in the church come up to me, like, are, are you okay? Like you're, you're 30 now and you're not mad. Like I'm, I'm actually good. What are you talking? Like, I'm great. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like I, yes, like I, I am great. And while like I have like a hope and a desire for, for the future and being a husband and being a father, like I am where God has me right now. Um, where God has had me the last five years, the amazing things that I've been able to be a part of the community and the family that I've built. Like I'm not, I'm not by any means alone. Yeah. I just want to, yeah. Like for my, for my single folks, like you are, you're whole right now Mm. for, you know, you know, for my married folks, like 
I hope that you are still investing in your your friends of different relationship statuses. And I hope that if you have had a season, you know, where you have kind of been a lot more, a lot more removed, like we all, we all need each other and we're more complete together. Well, it's been a really great conversation. Devon, I would love to hear if there's any way that we can support you. If there's anywhere we can follow you, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty active, pretty active on Twitter, Instagram-ish, but pretty active on Twitter and have been able to meet such an amazing community of Christians across all of the whole spectrum. I I think during COVID, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like having less and less, you know, physical proximity to people and and meeting a a very dope online community of Christians on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's Devon underscore underscore not Devin on Twitter and on Instagram, it's Devon underscore not Devin. I love that. Well, Devon, last but certainly not least, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? One thing that is hard is, you know, I mentioned there's a lot of heaviness, you know, just because of the nature of, of, of refugee resettlement. So there are, like, I work directly with, with family. So it's not, it's not even like a, a headline thing or a statistic thing. Like I am in these families' homes. I know their stories. I know that there are so many people who have been separated from their loved ones who are sitting in limbo. And so I carry those things in my heart and my heart breaks with them. So like knowing, yeah, knowing that there are so many people who are escaping atrocities that I will never personally experience mm-hmm. and that the majority of Americans will never personally experience like it. Yeah. It's hard that we haven't done a great job as a, as a country, at least in the last, you know, four and a half, five years to receive this very vulnerable group of people who do nothing but add to this country. Like they, mm-hmm. every, I mean, we, yeah, I can go into, <laughs> you know, all of the data and all of that stuff, but yeah. yeah these are amazing, incredible people. I get to spend a ton of time with them. And my my heart breaks that there are so many people who don't have the opportunity to be resettled into a country where they're not having to worry about war constantly. Yeah. In their lives, in their families' lives being threatened. So yeah, so that's that's honestly hard. We are we are it's May first, so we're 14 days away from whether or not Biden is going to raise the refugee ceiling because that has to be done by the president or whether he is going to keep it at the historic low that the previous administration put us in. So, yeah, so that's hard. We are hopeful, but it's still a little bit of, man, I hope, I hope he, I hope he comes through on the, on the, on the thing that he said that he would do and that his administration would do on behalf of an incredibly vulnerable population. So that's what's hard. So in 2020, I didn't use any vacation time. And okay. so all of it rolled over. Starting on Tuesday, I'm about to start using a whole bunch of them bad boys. So I, Yeah, you are. I am using, Mary B, I am using vacation time for vacation. And it is the weirdest thing. Like I, yeah, before COVID, you know, being a single person in the church and wanting to say yes to a million things, I had always used my vacation time for short-term mission trips hmm. for like the last four years. So like yeah. I am actually using it for vacation and it feels weird. Like is this okay? Is this Am okay? I allowed I'm doing to do this? Like, like, God, is this okay? Like, and I know it is. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. I'm using my vacation time for vacation. And it and it just feels like a foreign concept. But yeah. I'm excited to walk into that. I'm excited to receive that. You know, I'm excited to, yeah, what? Like, yeah. So that's a huge thing. And also, which because because of the of the of the timeline, I can't give as much information as I as I would like to, but in the in this online Christian community, 
I have met someone. Yeah, we are on a on a little journey together, and I will get to 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 see her very soon. That's great. Yeah, so I'm very very happy about that as well. So the summer is the, I'm very excited for the summer. All that to say, <laughs> a lot of great things. A lot of great things going yeah. for you. I love that. Yeah. Well, Devon, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your stories and your wisdom. I so appreciate it. Of course, Mary B. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can follow Devon on Twitter at Devon underscore underscore not Devon and on Instagram at it's Devon underscore not Devon. And those handles are in the episode description for you. If you're a single Christian, you've probably found yourself in some derpy situations. You know, like when someone you barely know starts talking about your biological clock It's hard to know how to respond, and nobody's talking about how weird these situations really are. That's why I created the Single Christian Derptitude Test. It's like a fun aptitude test for navigating the derpy things that happen to singles at church. What if I told you that you have a social superpower that can keep you from losing your ever-living mind in these situations? Find out yours at marybesaferit.com backslash quiz. Thanks for listening, and thanks to Rise of the Gingers for partnering on today's episode. Just as a heads up, I am an affiliate of Rise of the Gingers, which means I get a wee percentage of each sale at no cost to you. This season of Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit is produced by me, Mary B. Saferit. Sound engineering is by Bijoy Ahmed, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch y'all on the flippy flop.